Welcome back to 15 on the 15th, our bite-sized book club series featuring podcasts designed to help you digest short articles, no more than 15 minutes of reading, we promise, and this month is nice and short. This 15-minute recipe for success is a pinch of insightful reading, a dash of discussion, and it blends together the research and your classroom practices. My name is Jenny Dees, and I'm one of the coordinators of the ENL program here at the University of Notre Dame. And I'm joined today by my colleague, Claire Roach. Good morning, Jenny. Are you ready for summer? I cannot wait. I'm so excited. It's been a very long, cold, and gray spring here in South Bend, Indiana. And the weather turned nice in the last couple days. And I am delighted to be thinking ahead to the summer months. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, summer. We realize that with this relaxation and freedom, no more grading, no more lesson planning, also comes the summer slide. And so we wanted to talk about the summer slide this morning, particularly the effect it has on our English language learners, and then share some strategies that might help um, make up for the opportunity, see summer as an opportunity and not just as a liability, right? And I think one of the most effective things about the article that we chose, the not-so-secret ELL summer slide problem that no one has quantified by Chalkbeat, um, is that it really does a good job of reminding us that summer is both a vulnerability and an opportunity. The research really, Jenny, is um, significant, it's large, it's longitudinal, that has demonstrated that especially for students in lower income brackets, summer um, can be a very, very vulnerable time for learning loss. And I imagine your four girls have camps of all different sorts set up already, scheduled for the summer. Absolutely, I think it takes the entire month of May to finalize that summer calendar and to capitalize on all the great opportunities and their needs and their interests. But I realize that comes with a huge price tag. It does. And it comes with purpose on your part, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I've already checked out the summer um, reading theme at our local libraries, knowing full well that the Roach family is going to be participating in the summer reading challenge. And the, the key thing to remember, and I think it is important because, you know, as teachers, sometimes um, it can be easy to forget that our students don't necessarily have the same um, experience of summer that perhaps our own families do or that we did growing up. Um, and so we know that if we don't think about the summer as an opportunity to make up ground for our ling English learners, and if we don't strategize ways to circumvent the learning loss, that slide, that um, what we often find is that our gap widens even further. And the interesting thing is there's, there's actually research out there that suggests the single biggest reason for the achievement gap isn't what happens in schools during the school year. It's the difference of what happens during the summer between children of more means and children without as many means. So this really is a significant challenge that every school should be thinking about. Absolutely. And our English language learners, as the article pointed out, 
many of them just don't even have the exposure to English during the summer months, Mm -hmm. especially those that are privileged enough to get to travel back to Mexico to visit family. They're not in an English-rich context. So the children who have spent the school year working on their academic English and really making gains then don't have the opportunity to practice Mm -hmm. that English. And I'm glad you said that, Jen, because the article sort of revisited that point more than once. And I think it's important to remember here that um, students speaking their native language over the summer isn't necessarily a bad thing. No, and, absolutely you know, not. So I want to seize the opportunity to remind schools that we really need to be very intentional about educating our multilingual families so that they know if they are, for whatever reason, limited or emergent in their own English skills, that they should still be reading to their children, right? Mm -hmm, Get those books, get those stories, get the apps, get everything that you can um, in the native language. That doesn't hurt, exposure to the native language doesn't hurt our children. We just know that we need to be focused too on ways that we can add exposure to English. Absolutely, absolutely. And in helping families approach the summer months, I was reflecting on my own experience as a mom, and I walk into schools often, and there's a huge table near the front office that has lots of flyers and posters and handouts on it, all for various summer programs. There's probably 30, 40 things on the table. The idea of sorting through all of those items and finding the best for my children and our schedules and their needs is overwhelming. Right. And so if teachers could take the time to maybe snag three or four of those and send them home in a folder, maybe even with a translation, and be really intentional and invitational. Mm -hmm. We've talked about invitation a lot in our podcast. But inviting families, hey, check out these two camps. They'd really be great for your family this summer. And even better if you can offer some funding alternatives. Maybe there's a local organization like the YMCA or the Boys and Girls Club or the library that would have things to offer that are free or low cost. So I think you hit upon two problems. One is the cost, and I want to get to that in a second. The first is being strategic from a school community standpoint, being strategic in linking students and families with summer opportunities for learning. So at Holy Cross, these are a couple things that we did. For example, fourth grade here in the state of Indiana is an I-STEP year where students get tested in science. So for those third graders becoming fourth graders, we were targeted. We knew we wanted to look for science camps that were affordable, that were convenient, um, that were effective. Mm -hmm. So that's exactly what we did. And that is precisely what we're sending home to our third incoming fourth graders, Mm -hmm. right? Science, science, science. We also sat down with teachers and we identified students that were just in general vulnerable learners based on um, both NWEA data and then ISTEP performance, which is Indiana State Test. Um, And we knew for those kids in particular, we needed to help them make up ground in the summer. So we're going to extra lengths to ensure that those families um, are put in touch with camps that are available. Um, And then for our English learners, Two, what kind of translation do we need? What kind of explanation do we need that explains this is what this camp is? This is what a a camp is, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that you're out in the woods in a tent always, right? That this is a way that, uh, you know, for summer learning that is also 
intentionally fun. Mm -hmm. Your kids will be doing this, they will be doing that, et cetera. Um, so we, that is the way we became strategic about it. And I do invite schools to, to be thinking about that. Those are great concrete examples. And that's exactly what would be so helpful as a parent to have those kind of resources placed in front of you. Um, any other great strategies that you guys have come up with at Holy Cross to help with the summer slide? Well, it is, you know, it, it does take some time, but really making connections, making connections to community resources that exist. The YMCA, the Boys and Girls Club, the one of our, the Croc Center locally. Mm-hmm. Um, I have called our local outreach center that works with um, Spanish-speaking populations to discover what are you doing? Um, in the summer that we might be able to avail our students of. I have, I've hit the pavement. Jenny, listeners, you can't hear me with, you can't see me do my little quotation bunny earmarks. I've hit the pavement, so to speak, um, both with community outreach, but also among our students. So like the second graders were walking in from recess the other day, and I knew I wanted them to get excited about one of the summer camps that we were hoping that they would participate in. And I said, listen, boys and girls, you know, this camp is going to be so much fun. And, um, you know, there's the counselors are going to be young college students. And I'm going to send home information to your mommies and daddies on Friday. And I want you to look for that brochure and you tell your mom about how exciting this is going to be. And if I've already spoken to the person. And if there's anybody that can't pay for it, we've got scholarships available. So don't worry about that. So, so using our students as our allies, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Not just sending something home in the in the folder, but really kind of making sure that you're that you're circling those gaps, and then also a point of contact for like a person I know a person locally who's organizing this camp. He and I have spoken. Parents text or email me if you have questions about this. Mm-hmm. Um, email this person related to this camp. We have our madrina, our Spanish outreach person. We make sure that she understands. Um, what all of this is. Well, I was going to say, I love that idea of inviting the kids. And we're always so good to talk about this idea of back to school nights in the fall and gathering the school community together in the fall. It might be worth having a summer picnic in the spring. I know that the end of the school year is really hectic, but an opportunity to bring families back into the school one more time. And at that event, to share some of these opportunities, information about summer scholarships. And even at an event like that, to pass out the magazines you have in your classroom, the extra time for kids that you've been collecting, the news weeks, the highlights. If you can send those home with families just to have in the house for the summer, that would be great. And maybe even opportunity at this family night to introduce the family to some games, simple games, decks of cards with go fish or things like that, um, teaching them how to play multiplication top it or war fraction wars any of these games and then they can be easily replicated at home it's also a good opportunity at an event like that to invite your local librarian particularly if you can find a librarian that speaks the language of your student population so that she can explain she can share the enthusiasm for the library being a wonderful place for your kids to go during the summer for your whole family to go it's air conditioned um, that they know when the story hours are, it might be next to the playground, et cetera. Um, and you know, Jen, I think, you know, even you know, talking about adding opportunities for our students to practice English over the summer, even, you know, schools doing weekly playground time. Yeah. Having yeah. one or two t- teachers show up per week, Thursday night is playground, 
at school night during the summer where you're revisiting with parents, you're, you know, students are speaking with each other in English, teachers might be introducing a game that can be played at home. It's pretty low cost. Absolutely. And along with that, maybe there's an opportunity to open the building at certain times, even if it's opening your school library for families to come in and read. Um, or even just to write, encouraging kids to have a designated space depending on your availability. And for those playground nights, if you can't have a teacher show up, maybe it's just giving families access to the playground and saying Thursday afternoons at 2 o'clock, whoever wants to come, come to the playground. So just um, really reinvigorating that idea of community over the summer can be really enriching, simple but enriching. Okay, let's get back to that idea of cost. Yeah, it's a tricky one. There are no easy answers. Um, one thing I do want to invite schools to think about is that you can use Title III money to fund some of the things that we just talked about. Absolutely. Um, because um, anything that happens over the summer is very likely to be supplemental in nature, not supplanting in nature. Um, Title III funds can be used for family outreach, family education, obviously student education. So if you have some Title III funds, thinking about ways to um, prevent summer slide can be an excellent use of these monies. I also um, want to you know, invite people to think about all the free resources that there are out there that we just need to seize. I, mean, I, I go around to dentists and doctor's office, offices. I go to other schools that I know have magazines. Mm -hmm. um, we have a, a school that offers Spanish um, at the elementary level nearby, and they have all these magazines in Spanish, which I always grab to send home with my Spanish-speaking students. So I try and amass, and you had spoken to this, all these kinds of print resources that I can send as care packages home with students to keep at home to make sure that they have as many materials as they can. Um, there are a lot of free and reduced price summer camps out there. Mm -hmm. We just need to look for them. Yeah, it does take some time and research, but maybe it's an end of a year faculty meeting or even an April faculty meeting. If everybody comes to that meeting with one or two suggestions, mm -hmm. you'd have a really beautiful list of opportunities for these families. And, you know, my encounter is a lot of these local not-for-profits that are doing this kind of work, they love having people in your schools to promote their work. Mm -hmm. So, true. for example, there's a free art class at a community center. I learned about it. I printed out the flyer and I put it in um, all the stalls of the bathrooms in our third through eighth grade. Talked it up with these students. And I am here to tell you, Jenny, I have a friend for life in this community center because she never had so many students taking her art class. Oh, that's at time, Right. But it just goes to show that they appreciate it because they're doing all this hard work and they want to see that it's utilized and making a difference. Um, so cultivating those relationships long-term really pays dividends. Also, you know, these are great opportunities to write grants or to just find a friend of your school that's willing to fund mm -hmm. a little bit. We've got five children. This, you know, going to summer camp is the difference between them passing and not passing the state test. Mm -hmm. But it costs $200 per child. Is there any way you could fun quietly fund this need? Mm -hmm. You might be surprised. Yeah, and um, we never know unless we make that ask, and right. we might as well try. Most people have fuzzy memory, like a warm and fuzzy memories mm -hmm. of summer camp. So it's sort of it's not a hard sell to say send a kid to camp. Um, Absolutely. 
All right. Well, we hope that this conversation has gotten you excited for summer. We wish you and your students a wonderful vacation with lots of learning and relaxation. And remember, if you are passionate about the work that you do with these beautifully diverse students and their families, please visit our website over the summer to learn more about what we do and check out the resources we offer. So Jenny, you know, we've been talking a lot about um, extending learning for our students over the summer. And I would be remiss not to mention that we also have a really awesome opportunity to extend learning um, for educators over the summer and specifically for people working in schools uh, that are serving large language learning communities. And that is the Adelante Conference, which is taking place here at Notre Dame from July 8th through 10th. And um, it's really gonna initiate and extend a conversation about great practices that our schools are currently employing to engage the Latino community and to translate that into success for our schools and our parishes. Another really awesome thing about this conference is that it's being co-sponsored by Notre Dame's Institute for Latino Studies. So there are gonna be some really amazing thinkers in the room to share insights with us. Applications are currently available online at catholicschooladvantage.nd.edu. catholicschooladvantage.nd.edu, and we certainly extend an open-armed invitation to all of our listeners to participate. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel and send us your feedback. We love to hear from you. You can write us a review in iTunes or just email us directly. Let us know what you are up to this summer and what you plan to try in your classroom in the fall. Many blessings on the important work that you do and have a wonderful break.